Separation Saturday is here. The Florida Gators take on the Tennessee Volunteers this Saturday night in the Swamp. Today on the All Kinds of Weather Forecast, we will give you a preview, the storylines and what this game means for the program moving forward. And we also welcome in a former Gator great and special guest, Ben Troop. This is the In All Kinds of Weather Forecast. And welcome in to another episode of the In All Kinds Weather Forecast. I am your host, Chris Yanes, with my co-host, Neil Shulman. And we are pumped for Separation Saturday. The Tennessee Volunteers, the number 11 ranked team in the country, come to the Swamp to take on our Florida Gators and another chapter of this historic rivalry. I got to say, I this is probably the most amped that I've been for a Gator game Maybe since Utah last year, Neil, I, I'm curious of your opinion of that. But this is one of the more amped uh, games, I think, in the swamp. Maybe LSU was had that atmosphere last year. Utah had that atmosphere. But this is a this is a rivalry game. This is a big uh, conference game to start the season. And you know what? I love it. This is Separation Saturday, the third Saturday in September. Historically, this is where this game is meant to be. Florida opens up with two non-conference opponents, and then that third game is the first SEC opponent, and it's normally the Tennessee Volunteers. That's the way it was back when we were growing up in the 1990s and the early 2000s. This game really meant a lot in college football during that time period, and this is where it is meant to be. And, of course, we want to relish in this opportunity while we still have it, being that there are some major schedule changes ahead for the SEC, which we'll get into all that tonight. We'll get into all the storylines Neil, just give me your feelings. How are you feeling about this game? Uh, I mean, it's it, there's no doubt it's a big game. Uh, I mean, there, there are a lot of different ways you can go with the answer to that. How are you feeling question? I mean, on one hand, you can be nervous because Florida special teams can't go a single game without doing something catastrophic. On the other hand, you look at Tennessee and go, well, they're clearly not what they were a year ago. They're definitely a shell of their 2022 selves. Um, I mean, not, not even just Hennon Hooker being gone, but Cedric Tillman, Jalen Hyatt, you know, his, his big, his big weapons just aren't producing for the Tennessee volunteers anymore. So it, it's a very different type of a Tennessee team than the one that I think caught the nation by storm last year. So you do have to wonder if they're one hit wonder with uh, that, that one year, but I mean, I don't expect this to be uh, necessarily a, a high quality football game, but I do think this is going to be the most intense atmosphere in the swamp since the last time they came here. Um, I mean, Utah was, was big, but there were a lot of questions. There were a lot of, you know, it, yeah, it's, it's great, but it's a non-conference game. This isn't an LSU. This isn't an FSU. This isn't a Tennessee that we're beating. It's a, a good opponent, but it's not an SEC team that we recruit the same kinds of kids as. So it, it felt big, but it didn't feel as big as the 21 Tennessee game um, when Joe Milton also played in the swamp against us. So, um, I mean, there are definitely some some nerves just because, you know, we haven't lost Tennessee in the swamp in almost 7,300 days. There are some um, definitely some concessions about Florida's weaknesses, but you know, hopefully we'll be able to mask those enough to have more points than them at the end of the game. Yeah, and I think what you're getting to is there's anxiety amongst the fan base right now. People sense that this is an inflection point for maybe not just the season of 2023, but for the program. Uh, and that's an opportunity for Billy Napier to get a signature win. Billy Napier has 
not had a signature win since his opening Saturday last year when he beat the number seventh ranked team in the country, Utah, with that dramatic win in the end zone of the interception of Amari Bernie. Since then, it left has left a lot to be desired in that department. Really has not gotten a big win over a big time ranked opponent. He has that opportunity on Saturday to take on the number 11 team in the country. A rival last year did not beat one single rival, including those of LSU and even now in Kentucky, if you want to lump them in there. He needs this win in the sense of getting a rivalry win, getting a big conference win to open up the slate. And we talked about it going in our season preview. Florida has to stack wins early on in the season if they are to guarantee their chances of getting into a bowl game because the the schedule gets very difficult in mid to late October and through the rest of the season. And as now we've seen, Florida State is a force to be reckoned with. We play them at the end of the season. Granted, Missouri hasn't looked great, but that's a road that's a road trip to Columbia at the end of the year. We go to Death Valley. We have Arkansas, who's looked fairly decent in the first two games of the season. Florida has a tough road ahead. And if they are to make a bowl game or better yet, exceed expectations of that seven win mark that some fans have pegged them at the beginning of the season, they have to win a game like this going forward. So that's certainly, I think, a snapshot of the storylines going into the game. But Another one we love the show with is that this rivalry is going to start changing its shape and form and when it's played next year, we do go to Knoxville. But after that, there's a big mystery of whether this rivalry continues on an annual basis. And later when we have been on, we're going to talk about that. But Neil, Growing up, this was the rivalry. This was the game you and I as kids got excited for. It was Danny Werfel and Peyton Manny. It was, uh, you know, Casey Clawson and uh, Rex Grossman in the swamp. You know, it was a big time rivalry game. The SEC East ran through Gainesville and Knoxville. It obviously has lost its luster over the last two decades, mainly because Florida just quite frankly dominated it. But the games used to mean a lot, and we are potentially losing that significance with the rivalry changes. Kind of talk about what the rivalry as a Gator fan means to you, and and maybe we can share kind of in our uh, favorite memories of this. I mean, as you said, it was the rivalry in the SEC, not just in the East, but in the whole conference. Florida would win the national championship in 2006. Uh, They'd win it again in 2008. Tennessee won the East in 2007, despite the fact that Florida beat them by 39 points. Um, but even, even after the, that, that three year span, it was still a big game because Florida needed it. And Tennessee was the team that wanted to play spoiler. I mean, we remember, um, it feels like a billion years ago now, but Lane Kiffin did used to coach another team in the SEC, not named Mississippi. And he talked a lot of smack before that game. And we wanted to put a hundred thousand points on them. And we got 23 but i mean it, it felt like even as florida started 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 slowly declining they just had something on tennessee it started like at a very gradual point from going as the national champions to being devastated that they don't win the national championship that they go to the sugar bowl and oh no we're gonna have to settle for a sugar bowl win in a number three final ranking well, what did you do against Tennessee that year? You asked that question in the 1990s, and the answer is going to have some eyeballs pop. Like, oh, you beat Tennessee. That was a good program then. 2009, 2010, 2011, it's, yeah, whatever. But in that moment, on that day, 
for those three and a half hours, it still meant a lot. You just, you remembered what happened in the nineties. You remember what happened in the first half of the first decade of the, of this century. And there's just something magical about when Florida and Tennessee get together. And you could talk about how Florida's won too much for it to be a rivalry now and all that good stuff. But it just, when you, when you see Florida and Tennessee on that field, you see that, that weird orange versus our real orange. You just know that there's something special there. Yeah, I mean, kind of some of the high points of the rivalry you could think back to. Then, you know, obviously the the duel in the rain between Manning and, and Werfel in 95 in the swamp where the Gators went down early in that game. And then engineers a comeback for Florida to score 62 points, one of the most ever scored against the Tennessee game. And then, of course, in the next year in Knoxville, the most attended game in college football history at that time. You know, you think about the Jabbar Gaffney. Was it a catch? Was it not a catch? Still remember, vividly remember it. And for all those people out there, yes, it was a catch. It was absolutely a catch. Uh, and then, of course, you know, Tennessee got us back, though, later in that decade, you know, spo- played big time spoiler against the Gators in 2001. Many believe was a team that was destined to play for the national championship, could have won it that year, might have cost Rex Grossman his Heisman Trophy. And then everybody remembers the infamous play where Dallas Baker a slapped a Tennessee player, giving Tennessee great field position, which gave them the victory on a long uh, Will Hoyt field goal at the end of that one. But then after that, Florida rang off 11 in a row. Then there was the classic 2016 game where Tennessee fell behind 21-3, and then Florida blew the game. And 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 that was probably a precursor of things to come from Jim McElwain, unfortunately. But Florida, that was a year where Florida lost to Tennessee and still won the East. And, you know, so there have been some high points and low points, obviously, for both schools. But some really crazy things tend to happen in this game when it's at its best. And we fully expect that to happen again. Uh, maybe hopefully not to the point where our blood pressure is like crazy high from like a 2015, a Callaway Greer to Callaway play or a 2017 heave to cleave. But certainly I think a magical moment to jumpstart the Gator program again, where they want to be is, is something to be, to, to be hoped for, uh, in this game. For sure. I mean, you, you mentioned some of the, of the memories that, that this game, Brings and that's kind of what I was alluding to, and I was talking about when you see those two those two contrasting colors, the the orange and the blue of Florida, and the the yellowish mustard color of Tennessee. Pun not in that gaudy orange. Will not wear that yeah. gaudy orange. Yeah, Sandra Bullock, which that movie is now kind of fraudulent, but nonetheless, <laughs> it it gave us it gave us a good quote and gave us a good meme. But no, I mean that's what you think about when you see those colors in the field. You think back to those nineties. Think about Peyton Manning throwing an eighty yard touchdown pass to Tony George. You think about Florida making sure that Tennessee has an ugly eyesore of a loss on its resume in 2007 when a lot didn't go right for Florida. Tebow won the Heisman, but I mean, Florida lost four games that year. But you remember that game because Florida put 59 on them and Cam Newton runs over Dennis Rogan and gets the whole swamp just going crazy. I remember some of the uglier games because to me, those are just the greatest. Like, yeah, we were awful that year. We sucked and we still beat you guys. 2013, Tyler Murphy just throws a tiny screen pass to Solomon Patton, who makes one cut down the right sideline, and he's untouched for a 52-yard touchdown pass. Uh, we turned the ball over three times in that game. They, they turned it over six, and we won. Um, Murphy came yeah, off the bench in that game, too. He did. Driscoll, Driscoll got hurt through a pick six early in that game. Um, can't remember the name of the – oh, Devon Swafford was his name. He threw the pick six, too. Devon Swafford. Oh, yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, just uh, 2014 where we were terrible again, it's great to see all these people out here getting disappointed. I love it. 
from Will Muschamp when Florida. I mean, that was peak. That was peak Muschamp. They they literally couldn't do a thing right on offense for three quarters. They bench him for Treon Harris, who comes into the game and he gets like almost immediately after he gets hit with a with a sexual assault allegation, which you know it obviously didn't keep him from playing for very long, but it it kept him on the bench for for the next few weeks. So Driscoll came back on the field the next week, but he had his moment in that rivalry. And he was a hero for Florida when he didn't do a whole lot of positive things for us. And of course, 2017, I was right there. Oh, that was gorgeous. I was in section F for that heave to cleave. That was my second ever Gator game that I ever attended in person. And it was, there there was this one Tennessee fan who was like three or four seats away. He could not have been more dejected. And that was just absolutely sensational. But yeah, man, that's, that's what happens if Florida and Tennessee get together, you get something special happening either, you know, either team wins, um, their fans are going to be ecstatic and whether it's a blowout or a a nail biter, they're going to remember it for years to come. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's, it's clear there's nostalgia to these rivalries, especially in the sec. And, you know, as we look forward to next season and the schedule changes, I, I think that's the hope is that. One, the SEC, the conference, and college football as a whole, as it changes, respects the tradition, the pageantry, the memories of what uh, we had. I mean, I really think just just talking for the last 10 minutes about this rivalry just goes to show we grew up in a golden age of college football. We're never going to have these types of moments, these types of games again, this feeling potentially. But we'll have the memories. We'll have the highlights to, to remember it by. But I think that just goes to show, like, you know, as Gator fans right now are still reeling from the fact that they aren't sure of what the Billy Napier era will bring. They are unsure of what will happen this season, how long the rebuild of this program will take. Will we ever reach the prominence we once had? Enjoy moments and opportunities like we have Saturday night. You can't think of a better scene. A to- Almost a top 10 team coming to the swamp, a sold out crowd of mostly blue and a raucous atmosphere where hopefully the swamp will become an insane asylum once again. And there'll be another moment in time in this storied rivalry where we will have something to recap and talk about and reminisce on for years to come. So, you know, it's a great rivalry. I'm excited. I know. I think there's some anxiety amongst people like you, maybe Neil and some of the other fan base, but I'm just, I'm pumped. I can't wait. It felt great to be home last Saturday, watching just McNeese, seeing people like you, Neil, and other folks that we ran into at tailgates. And I'm excited for that feeling once again, this Saturday, I hope Gator fans can at least put aside the anxiety and the unknown of what the program is facing right now and just enjoy it. Enjoy the ride. Enjoy the game. Let's have a great time. Let's have a great time. So, yep, that's the name of the game, having a good time. And you know, whether or not the Gators win, will have a lot to do with that. So hopefully the Gator football team itself will do its part. Before we go any further, got to shout out our merch store. We've got new merch that is comfortable, lightweight for those hot summer days. Makes it clear to everyone you come across which team you pull for. From 100% polyester workout tees to soft style cotton tees, sport tech polos, quarter zips, hoodies, beanies, baseball caps, trucker hats, koozies, tumblers, and more in all kinds of weather has just the gear you're looking for this football season. Our in all kinds of weather gear is sold in four colors, orange, blue, black, and white, and it all features that sleek new alligator logo that pays homage to all your favorite moments in Gator history. So don't wait. 
Get yours today. Go to inallkindsofweather.com slash merch to get yours now. That's inallkindsofweather.com slash merch. Well, with that, we want to welcome in our guest tonight. We have an All-American, a former NFL player, and a Gator great. Ben Troop has now joined us on the In All Kinds of Weather Forecast. Ben, we thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, big game, big weekend, calls for a big guest. So thanks for joining us. How are you doing? Man, I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. I apologize for being late, man. You don't want to deal with this traffic in coastal Georgia. I apologize. It's all good. I mean, I live in Tampa, Florida, so, you know, <laughs> I, I totally resonate with that. I actually, on the way home today, ran in behind two trains, so oh, okay. totally understand. <laughs> but listen, it's good to have you on. This is a big game. And Neil and I have been kind of reminiscing and talking about the history and the pageantry of this great rivalry in Tennessee. You played in it four times. You certainly have your stories and your memories from it as well. You know, kind of give the fans an idea of, of of what maybe even some of the younger fans that don't quite remember the 90s, the early 2000s, what this rivalry really means for not just both universities, but for the SEC. It's 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 really, really a dream when I think about it, because I was so young to really understand what it was when I was because, I mean, uh, I won two, lost two against those guys. I was part of the, you know, the 2001 with the catch, no catch with Jamar, Jabar Gaffney. Those fans were crazy. I was a part of, you know, I know we, uh, this is the, I mean, uh, the anniversary of a 9-11. That was my sophomore year when we had to plan me December. Uh, my junior year, may he rest in peace, Reggie White was at the game. Like, D. Reggie White was there. We played him in the rain. Tennessee, to me, has always been a thorn in Florida's side, only because it used to be whoever won the game was in the driver's seat to go to the SEC championship game. Philip Former, you know, a guy that, you know, I, I've grown fond of because of how, uh, you know how uh, consistent he was. I got I got to college in two thousand, and I remember in ninety nine when Alex Brown had five sacks against him. You know when they coming off winning the national championship, all the guys got ball heads on the on the defense. But I was also there in two thousand two um, when we go up there and Ron Zook used to coach at Tennessee, and they just announced the starters and they they pronounced his name wrong, and he was livid like he wanted to fight. So I. I, I'm happy that we've been on the winning end of this rivalry. They haven't won in Gainesville in a long time, but it's not like it was blown out victories. I mean, I think the greatest play I've seen is C.J. Henderson running down the sideline and catching that tight end, hitting him, and the ball going through the end zone. But I also saw when Dallas Baker got punched in the face and he punched back. I, I shouldn't remember these plays like this, by the way. I should have moved on, but it's something about them cream slipper boys, man. And some of my – I got some real good friends with the Tennessee – you know, Albert Haynesworth and, you know, Troy Fleming and those guys. And uh, But I just hope we – listen, as long as we get the win, I don't care how it looks because I don't know who's – I don't know who's the worst fan base in the SEC because it's a lot to go off. But the most naive is Tennessee. They talk about Tennessee like this – I'm like, am I missing something? Like they call themselves the everything school. No, you can't just – you can't almost go to Omaha. That's called not going. Well, you can't almost do it. So they know they know it's our respect, but I can't stand them. Um, they really think that color of orange is attractive. It's not. It, it, it's really awful. It's it's like blinding. It's like no one says, "Hey, is it, do you guys got Tennessee orange?" Like no, because we have morals and values as grown people. No. So hopefully, they add to it. But I'm I'm just happy to have been a part of it. It's so special to me. Unfortunately, 
with these two schools from the Big 12 coming, I hope I, I don't see Florida, Tennessee being in the same pod, which is going to hurt my heart. I think we tied to them boys from Athens for life. But uh, hopefully this fan base understand how how precious this rivalry is. And Tennessee know what it is, man. They know what the greatest thing ever happened to them was us. They can say what they can say, whatever they want. If I got I got I got a magazine called The Greatest in the SEC. You know who they got the greatest uh, quarterback is? They got Peyton Manning. Stop it. Peyton Manning is not the greatest SEC. They doing that based off what he did in the league, right? Never beat Florida. Never. They won a national championship with T. Martin. Stop it. Love you, Peyton. But he, but but your nephew ain't even want to go to Tennessee. He ain't want to go to Ole Miss. He went to Texas. Miles Graham. You know where he's going? He's going to Florida. Emmitt Smith. You know where your son was. That's see. That's another show for another day. But I'm looking forward to the game. I don't like night games though. I don't know what it is with us in night games, but I like. Oh man, I mean, we'll we'll. I know we're gonna get to the game, but it's it's precious, man. It really, really is. I just hope that these boys understand that you get remembered for stuff like this, like Tennessee's games. You get remembered for it, and like I said, man, they think they all that. You know, I mean, what they gonna wear? All orange with them black shoes. And, I, yeah, that... I can't stand Tennessee, man. I, I can I, I live. I played for Tennessee for four years, and I could not stand the Vols. They are a huge brand, but come on, man, get out of here with that nonsense. Yeah, we were gonna. I mean, you kind of answered the next question I had about the about your thoughts on this game uh, not being played on an annual basis anymore. But I mean, the, the long and short of it is, we have this game now, and we don't know what it's going to be in the future. So. Just just talk about what that means or what you think it may mean to the players who are going to go out there onto the field um, this Saturday night and and I guess to a smaller extent next year. But we know that this is the last time this game is going to be or we think it's going to be it's the last time it's going to be played in the swamp um, as an annual rivalry for a while. So and for, for the current players, maybe the last time they'll ever play Tennessee in the swamp. So if you're a player, what would that be like to you going through practice this week? And I know you have connections to the team, so from what you're 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 hearing and you're seeing how are the guys preparing for this game any differently oh they they're going to definitely take it serious billy napier does a good job of making sure those guys understand the severity of it but having guys on the staff you know like mike peterson who understood you know what this rivalry meant being such a great player there and sometimes as a former player that's what that's what you serve as you serve as a historian of saying fellas i don't want to sound like the old guy which i i know i am but if it's going to be a send-off, send it off right. You want to be able to say, yeah, man, we the reason, you know, we even beat them. When it stopped being the year in, year out, we beat them. And I like guys like Joe Milton talking trash. I like him saying, oh, because he, listen, when I tell you these boys don't understand, that's like the kid from Georgia saying, oh, Florida don't put out d Lyman in the draft. What are you talking, what are you, I'm just, it's, it's amazing to me because, People live in recency bias really bad. We're not too many years removed. Tennessee scratching and clawing to beat Vanderbilt. We're not that many years removed from that. But it's a what have you done for me lately. And nothing makes me feel better to know, you know, that, you know, not to give him any credit. But Muschamp saying all these people, uh, you know, are mad and I love it. I I want to beat Tennessee. Not One, because I know all my Tennessee friends are going to, you know, I got the same number. They're going to use it. But Tennessee don't know what it is. Tennessee can't remember the last time they beat us twice. 
They can't remember the last time they beat us at Florida. Uh, I got to say, I think the last time they beat us at Florida was my senior year. I want to say it's 2003, and that was my senior year. But uh, I don't, I don't want to put more on it than the guy. It's a big game because it's the next game. But you don't want to lose certain people, man. The Tennessee is one of them. It's like they beat us, and look at what it did for the rest of their season. Like, look at what it did for them. Because you're getting over a huge hump. They pulling down goalposts because it, it don't happen often, right? We now Florida, yeah, we better not pull down no goalposts from beating Tennessee. We ain't, we don't got to do that, but we want to win, man, and you want to beat them in the worst way because nobody wants it on their resume. Like for real, like we lost to Tennessee. Win in baseball and football, and football, it don't happen that often. So I, I think they understand. I don't want to be that. You know what this game means. I think they understand that, and I think it's a propeller. We beat, you know, when we beat. What could it do for the? What could it do for our psyche, our you know, our uh, you know, mindset? Because let's face it, you know, Florida hasn't looked great week one. I get it. Looked really good week two. Tennessee looked like world beaters two weeks in a row. They ain't played us. Though. They ain't. We'll see what. And and I believe competition brings out the best thing. When I play a, a higher level, it brings out the best in me. So. And I don't, and listen, Joe Milton, you are not Anthony Richardson. Stop. I can't stop. Oh, you are not. Stop it. Now, he got a big arm now. He got that. But, you know, I want to hit him right there, right there in that shoulder. When he released it, I, got, I just want, I don't want to hurt him. I'm just saying, man, these boys, Florida needs to understand we're still the barometer. People still get a lot out of beating us. They still, that's still Florida over there. I know. You know, we big in the Swamp Kings now, even though that was a hell of a series. They're going to have to do more than four. They're going to have Netflix. Y'all know what's up. They're going to have to do more than four. But I, and Florida starts understanding that people look for – people can't wait to do the Gator Chomp. If you notice, when they beat us, they can't wait to do it. You went to Florida because you was the best. You went to Tennessee because you couldn't go to Florida. I'm going to say it to the I don't care. You couldn't get in. You had to go to Knoxville. I'm going to say – I used to tell guys that. You, why, you, why you went to Tennessee? Oh, I couldn't get in Florida. Stop it. You couldn't get in. I don't want well, to. It, it's like what Spice Brewery used to say: you can't spell citrus without UT. Referring to the fact that Tennessee wasn't—they always were going to go to that second-rate bowl game up down in Orlando in the Citrus Bowl. So it's the same thing, right? I mean, second-rate, second-rate team, second-rate university, University of Florida, second-rate bowl game. That's just the trash talk we love during this rivalry, though. It is. It is, and, and it's true. I mean, the thing—the thing about it is. Um, you know, I mean, I know it's down the line, but you know, South Carolina, the reason why y'all have glory days because you know, Spur was over there for three years, haven't done much since, right? I think for Tennessee, is Tennessee had a flash in the pan season last year, they had a great year. They want to know, are we more than just one year? Florida wants to know, man, what is it? What is it going to take to get us over the hump, right? And I think that's what makes these games good is because. I mean, I, I mean, I joke about Tennessee. They're, they're a hell of a squad, man. I mean, uh, you know, Coach Hypo, I mean, he took the job that nobody wanted at one point. Tennessee went through, what, 30-something coaches? Remember Greg Chiano? Remember that? Right after Dan Mullen? And, see what I'm saying? It's like, what? Ha- so I think that, do I respect Tennessee? Yes. Are they a blue blood? Absolutely. So what? With all that respect I give them, we want to whoop them. Because, man, humble pie don't taste good to nobody. And in their mind, They've eaten so much of it, it's regular to them. They done ate a bunch of it. I think for us to go out there and really handle our business, I think gives us a shot to really what it does for the rest of the year because 
I don't think no team is going to play a perfect game. Man. That, that's just not possible. But if our run game and our passing game can just gel with each other and our defense can just whatever they do, keep doing it. Whatever they're doing, keep doing it. Plus Kingsley's back. Hey, man, I, I, I think it helps. It doesn't guarantee you anything. But Pearsall is one of the best receivers in the country. That's not because he goes to Florida. The kid can flat out play. We got the best. I would put our two running backs against any two in the – I don't get that we wasn't even ranked before. The, that's just bias. I, I can't stand that. But running the football, complimentary pass the game. Coach Armstrong, I know he just turned 30, sir. Whatever you doing, keep doing it. Shamar James and Scooby, Lord have mercy. Them two boys – because we kept saying that was going to be a – and uh, I think we got a shot, man. I think we need to deal with some early adversity, kind of push back. We need to hit Joe Milton real hard, pick him off and look at him and say, this is different, man. Because Florida is – I know we got the – what, the LED lights now? That's the new thing. $100,000 for lights now? Jesus. I, I get that. But, man, our fan base, they just waiting for something epic. Like – and I think that big win early for Billy Napier, it makes him go home with his wife and say, good job, Billy. Because you know how it is, man. No one knows the $7.2 million, doesn't justify what he has to deal with every day. So I want to get that big dub, man. I'm like it every week, but as we get closer to Jacksonville, you need momentum going into that stuff. I know that's a long ways away. I know, but I like our chances, man. Like I said, you know, Kentucky think they all that. They not. Tennessee is one of those teams that they won't say it, but them coaches that's been there know, dude, it's hard to beat them now. Two times in a row. So we'll see. We, you know, we got Graham Merch. They got Joe Milton. I like our chances, though. We just got to go out there and play four quarters of consistent. We don't got to play dominant. I think we got as good a shot as that. Well, you talk about Billy Napier and that signature win, I think, is what you're alluding to, that he quite hasn't quite had. And, and we talked about earlier today, Neil and I, that – you know, Utah was that signature win for him very early on, like the first game of the season. We had you on last year to actually talk about that game, but he hasn't really had a signature win since then. This is an opportunity to get that signature win, especially against a conference rival, which he didn't beat any rivals last year, and to, to maybe flip the script for the entire season. Like this is an inflection point, not just for the season, but for the tenure of Billy Napier itself. So Talk about what you think of Billy Napier one year into his tenure now as in three in three facets as an on-field coach, as a recruiter, and as a CEO of a major college football program. As a as an as an on-field coach, I think he understands players because he was a player. That kind of people don't talk about that enough. He understands what players go through. People want to say, oh, he went out there and got, got, got Graham Merch. You know how many coaches named Nick Saban, Dabo Swinney, Kirby Smart wanted Graham Merch coming out of high school? They wanted him coming out of high school. He's wearing the eyes. As far as a recruiter, man, what can he do? Recruiting? Please. This guy's getting it done. Most guys recruit well because they're on the field talent. Is, like what they put on the field is doing it, so they don't have to do as much. He's doing it before that happens. And as far as being a CEO, I just I think he's handling it the right way because he doesn't give you – Coach speak, right? He's not doing, he ain't doing no TikTok dance unless he's in a $100,000 vehicle for a recruiting visit. He ain't dancing and all that. But I think no one knows about that but people that's been in that seat. He went from the SOCON 
to the SEC. I'm not counting his money, right? He went instantly to the most recognizable and famous coach in the state of Florida. That's taking nothing away from Crystal Ball and Norvell. That's taking nothing away from Coach Peterson and Ty Bowles. And Kyle. If he's walking down the street with all those guys, they're going to say, hey, Coach, man, who are your friends? Because he is the guy in the state. But I think, he's, I think he needs a signature win to breathe. Because until it happens, he won't get a chance to breathe. And those players want to validate what he's doing. The hardest thing to build in college is a culture, not a team. you got to build a culture up. And once you get that, you just play and plug guys. That's what Spurrier did. Built the culture, start with Shane. Then you go from Danny. And you talk about, you know, you talk about, you know, uh, Rex and company. And I think for him, he's building a culture. You know, and I, I think that he needs that signature win because when all the cameras are gone, and he's going to his car, wherever he parks, he's going, huh? You know, it, it, not too many people going to get to say that. I don't care how great of a coach you are. That's prestigious. I think for, for Billy Napier is he needs what college football is against, and that's patience. Just, you know, like, not to compare the two, but Billy Napier needs the patience that Michigan gave Harbaugh. He needs it. Now, you don't want to take that long, but the thing is, Florida has the undo to do what they're trying to do now. So for me, I think that Billy Napier is the guy. When I see those guys that's down there, like Tate Casey, you know, that's down there working, you know, on the on the radio with those guys. When I hear Shane Matthews, Steve Spurrier, they're not getting paid to be complimentary of him. They're gonna tell the truth. And they saying, dude, he's the guy. I see we only see him on Saturdays. I get it. But I think what, what sets him apart is when I when I interview Anthony Richardson. When I interview Justin Shorter, when I interview the guy, they said, you know if we call him, he'll call us back, right? You know if we text him, he'll text us back. I said, the head coach? Yeah. That's unheard of. Not because other coaches didn't want to. They ain't got time. I text, hey, coach, man. Man, I did this. All right, I hit you. So I think that they, they want to win so bad for him. It doesn't just happen. I get it, but. I want to see that signature win, man. Florida, the Florida faithful, we we rough. You know how we are. We are brutal. We are unforgiving. We are we are the only team that criticizes more after wins than we do losses. When we win, you can't tell. Don't go to social media for you because we are we're on the ledge every week. And the only my mom said the only reason why people don't jump off the ledge is it's a line. It's a line of people trying to get to the ledge. I'm like, so I think for Florida, I will say this. Miami, they it's been a long time, long time, right? They win two games, the people say they back. No, they're not. No, they're not. Florida State has an outlier year with Norvell. They think they finna win it all this year. They won't. Florida has expectations outside of Gainesville that people go, what's going on in Gainesville? For real. So I think for Billy, hope he gets it, man. But the problem is, look at the schedule we got coming up. Still got LSU, still got Georgia, still got South Carolina. You still still got Kentucky. These conversations are going to be had every week. I mean, unless it's – I know we got UNC Charlotte, something like that this year. Yeah, Charlotte's after Tennessee. I mean, and that, that that's kind of the problem, I think, with a lot of fan bases. No, Very few more so than ours that we always look at every game and go, well, if we lose this game – 
we're screwed. Our season's over. Fire the coach. And if we win, then we're the greatest ever. We're going to go straight to the natty. No one's going to stop us. But it does feel like this Tennessee game means a lot more than most. It, I mean, Chris and I earlier talked about this. We said this is the biggest game of Napier's career. There is no close second. Nothing even comes close to touching this in terms of importance. So figure, I guess, the most important thing about this game is going to be the execution, right? I mean, you're going to have to go out there and do what you're supposed to do. And especially on the offensive line for Florida, because I mean, you, I mean, you played for a team that had an elite offensive line at Florida with the Swamp Kings documentary. Those were some elite offensive lines. And even a few years ago, we had off elite offensive linemen um, come through the university of Florida's last year. We had an all American get a brick. So we need that offensive line to play. Well, as you mentioned earlier, we do get Kingsley back. That's going to help. But still, this is the first SEC opponent we're going to face. It is the most talented team, at least on paper, we're going to face. So especially with the offensive line, but also as a whole, what do you expect to see from Florida in the execution department, knowing this is a huge game and being in front of their home fans? Be aggressive. Because I think, I mean, Tennessee has a really good D-line. They really, really do. They have a really, really good D-line. And – it, it's 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 such an easy narrative or an easy phrase to say is can you take a punch? Like people don't understand what football is. Football is, hey man, you got you got to take just as much as you give. You're gonna get punched. Can you punch back? You know, Ron Zook, you know, my last two years, he would say you gotta withstand the onslaught. When they give you this coach speak, you don't understand what they mean until you get out there. You got to punch them back. You got to be able to go blow for blow. Cause Tennessee, and I don't know them. But every team is a front runner. You know how much better you are when you're up by 20? But hopefully we hopefully that doesn't happen this weekend. But I'm saying I think for Florida is you get Kingsley back, right? You, you establish the run. I don't think they DBs are better than Pierce Hall. Throw it to him. Like, I don't – people think you throw certain passes to get certain results. Those safeties are not going to back up until we throw deep. They know we're going to run the ball. Throw it to number one. I believe number one can route up any DB in the country because he's built to run routes, right? I think that Wilson, listen, what is the – give him some gadget. I don't – give it to him. Caleb Douglas, every time you see him, he's making a crazy kick. And I think that's the thing is I don't think we're – we don't utilize the fullness of the field, right? Run the football, spread them out. And next thing you know, them DBs are going, wait, wait a minute. Why is he trying to block me? Because he's running around. The way they threw it, the, the Pierce saw when they ran around, don't wait till the you know third quarter, fourth quarter to do it. Show more of the play call. Because Graham Merce, he seems to be pretty good with the football. He don't make bad decisions. He don't seem gun shy. So I think for I think it's like last year. Anthony Richardson opened it up against Tennessee because he now he had to. But look across the way and say, Coach, man, I think I'm better than him. But you got to give me the play calls to show it. I can't. They don't listen. I love, you know, Rob Sale. I love Bela Napier. You don't go to Florida and hand the ball off. I can do that. I can go. I can. I can great with my footwork. Hand it off to Montreal. We saying, hey, my senior year was myself, Kevin, Kevin Kite, Carlos Perez. And because we didn't have we, – we weren't Jabbar, we weren't Rishay, you know, we weren't Taylor Jacobs, and we get it. But we told Coach, we told Zahnbreaker, hey, bro, it's not your job to hold us back. If we ain't good enough, Saturday we'll show it. And we got an 18-year-old quarterback named Chris Lee. 
It's not. And to me, that's what I want to see. I don't want to hear this. We should have been more creative with play calling. I can't stand those type of answers in post game. What you mean you should have been? You're here to call plays. I can live. With, I don't like. We all can live with losing if we say, "Hey, man, we dive into the tape. We were trying to be. We we're trying to open up." If I see another receiver go out wide and just turn and catch it, I, that's not a play. Just I'm gonna just take it to you and throw it to you. Get a block and spring it. That's not a play. Like we go this way. We go further. And I think if we can do that, because what do you think Tennessee going to do? They finna try to air it out. They're going to try to run it with Milton. We got to play the same. I'm not nah, I'm not saying Graham Murray's got to pull it down. I don't, that don't give us, that don't give me a lot of confidence. But man, throw it to him. Don't let Wilson start if you're not going to use him. Caleb Douglas and those guys, and as far as the tight ends go, man, we got to prove it. I mean, I love those guys because I have to, but Cal Pierce ain't walking through that door. I don't think people understand how unique of a player he was. Like, you know, he played for the Fowlers now, my team in the NFL, and they don't seem to know how to use him either. He threw, him, he threw it to him twice yesterday. He had 40. Anyway, I'm just saying we got to be a great – we got to be on offense where we are on defense. You see how aggressive we get on defense? Like, that guy shot the – and I know it's Magnese. Shot the gap, got the guy to say things. That's saying I'm going, fellas. This next play, I'm going. So back, we got to be the same way because one guy on offense is confident, and that's Pearsall. That boy is, a, but he can play. Graham Mertz, he's right behind. And then I would say Kingsley, and I would say Montreal and Etienne, Traylon Webb. Our five offensive linemen got to be. They got. They got to be borderline cocky because we gonna go as they go. Because if 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 we can't if if we're one dimensional and can't do number throw the football, I don't know if that suits us well. Because we ran the football all off season, getting ready for the season. I don't think our receivers are ready to have a gunslinging type game. But if we can run the football and gunsling, hey man, because I'm not really worried. I, I'm not really talking about like the defense going to just shut down Tennessee, right? But I like our chances, man. Shamar James is a dude. Scooby is a dude. Princely, he needs to break out. Like he really, does. he needs to come on, Princely. And I'm not putting pressure on him, but it's like, come on, man, because he's got that number one jersey now. He's got, he our, he's got to he play does. like he deserves it. He does, and I think our DBs, man, I think we got a really good DB group. They just first play against Utah. We just do stuff that no one does. Like how did that just like we look at the screen? Like, how does that happen? Listen. If I'm a safety, because of what happened to Utah first play of the game, I'm backing up so far. You can't throw it over my head. You might throw it in front of me. And I think for us is special teams. What happened to it? Like, that used to be a weapon for us. Punt, punt, block, kickoff. Kick off. So I think for us is, as another litmus test, us go out there and show it. And I, I just know that Graham Mertz has a different chip on his shoulder because, you know, he coming over to us. He he thinking that because he's a grad transfer, we settled for him over Jack. And now nah, he like, hey coach, turn me loose, man. Let me come on. Why do we do Pascal and we gonna just run it on Saturday? What are we Nebraska back in the day in the nineties? Come on, hand it off to them guys. Cause Pearsall telling you, he said. And I asked him why you come back. He said, man, I want to win that blender cost. I know about them great receivers, and, and he didn't bat. I said, you want to – he goes, mm-hmm, because he said 
if we have a former receivers meeting and I'm in there with Willie Jackson and I'm in there with, you know, uh, you know, Rishay, uh, Taylor Jacobs and, you know, uh, and the great receivers, I don't want to just be there because I went to Florida. I want to be there so they go, what's up, Rick? Because I want to see what my – I like that. But he's only one guy saying that, right? ETN got the last name. Montreal comes over with – I think these guys get to say, hey, coach, turn us loose and let's see how it goes. If it don't work, well, it hasn't worked before. But I'm not the only one on this podcast to be thinking, dude, just, just go. Like, come on. I don't want two good runs. And, and, next, and the next throw is I'm just taking a throw. throw. That's not a – Coach Rob, that's not a play. I don't like plays to where you got to make a man miss. No, I'm, I'm going to ride him up. I'm going to run down the field. I'm going to beat him. I'm going to make him play football. You catch it and just throw it to me, I don't got no wiggle in me. I'm going to get knocked the hell out. Bam, I'm going to get hit. And it's, and, it's, and it's a negative one. And it looks like – it makes it look like we don't got playmakers. I don't believe – I don't like that. They don't got playmakers. Yeah, they do. But playmakers go forward, right? They don't go – linebackers run side to side, not offensive players. So, I want to see them open it up, man. I know Rob Sale is sick of it. After the first week, people are like, you got to get rid of OC. You got to get rid of this special team. No, man, like, open it up because you don't think the 2024 class coming in, wanting you to – you don't think these guys saying, I could have went anywhere. I'm getting the number one player in this state and that state. Coach, I ain't coming here to uh, do plays that I ain't never done before in my life. I've never, as a receiver, I've never turned and just caught him. That's what you do outside the game at the tailgate. You just throw the ball around. You don't do that, you know. So I, I hope they open it up. I really do, because like I said, I don't want to lose. But if we open it up, I think it gives us the best shot. I know we got in the run game. I really do love Trayon Well. Lord, have me love, young boy. I'll big back. But that's a three-headed monster at running, and you want to get Magnese. Tennessee like this. Show us you can do something else. Because they're going to think they're going to try to run the ball. We're going to shut it down. Now it's third and six, and we – no, no, no. Throw it on first down. Run it on second and third. Then come at the next uh, play and run it on first down. Throw it on second. See what you got on third. You got to keep a defense guessing. Not run, run, throw. Run, run. That's not a game plan. That's not a game plan. And I get it. I'm, that's why I'm not a coach. I get it. But if they can do that, man, we'll see. Because, like I said, I don't, I don't like when he throws for three hundred or something in the losing effort against Utah, right? Then the next week he don't throw for as much. I said, dude, I care about efficiency. He doesn't throw a lot of picks. That's a, so. I want to see Graham Mertz light it up. I want to see at the end of the game, the next day he got this. He got the little. He looked like a reliever, you know, for the freaking you know Marlins. He got the little thing on his shoulder, not because you don't hurt your shoulder for handing the ball off. And we can run the ball more than we throw. But I'd rather it be 60-40 than 70-30. That's all, that's all I'm saying. Because the more balanced we are, the better we are. Plus, as a, as a former tight end, I get better when I get plays. I don't got to make the play. But if running, listen, the reason why you got four guys in the route, that's four guys get a chance to get over. So I, I just want to see that, man, because – Am I the only one that think I don't know what we are outside of, outside of running the ball? I don't know what we are on offense. We, we really need a, 
I, I agree. I think we need it. There's not an established identity yet with this offense. It's very clear what the blossoming identity is of the defense. Very fast, very aggressive. They clearly take after Austin Armstrong as their defense yes. coordinator. He's a young guy, but he knows how to coach ball. And he's very enthusiastic, energetic on the sideline. And his his players reflect that. So I think you touched on a lot of good points and storylines heading in and keys to this game. But now let's let's get into the final verdict. We're going to predict the score, the percent chance we think we have of winning and what are the keys, the, a major key to winning the game. So I'm going to go ahead and get Neil in here really quick and then we'll go to Ben. And uh, so, Neil, what do you think is a, a key to the game? And then give us your prediction. I think the key to the game is going to be throwing the ball down the field every now and then and having success doing it. Um, I think Ben touched on that a little bit. Um, I'm not saying do it every play or every other play, just four or five times a game. That number cannot be zero. It cannot be one. If Tennessee isn't prepared for Florida to do all these little dinks and dunks and short passes and flares and screens, they will be soon enough. They will adjust after the first drive or two. So if you're a Graham Merch and Billy Napier, you've got to assume that's not going to be there consistently. And I'm not even talking about home run balls like the one we hit the Pearsall. I'm talking about 15, 20 yards down the field, hitting those throws, the intermediate and semi-deep balls between 15 and 30 yards, maybe down the field, because Tennessee's secondary is not that great. And if we can't do that against the secondary that gave up 260 yards through the air to Austin P. Florida's in big trouble when it comes to, to talking about who's going to win this game. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think really for me, the key for this game is going to be whoever runs the ball more is going to win in my mind. It, it was kind of an old school stat for a long time. It was like the team that ran the ball in the Florida Tennessee game won 90% of the time, whatever the number was. And that really, held true from the 1990s through the 2000s and and for the last decade it's whoever ran the ball more and Tennessee I think is going to have to establish a run game to win this game one of the statistics that came out there this week was uh Joe Milton is averaging not even six yards per attempt right now whereas Graham Mertz averaged more per attempt against Utah than Milton did in either of his first two games so that tells me that really what Florida has to do defensively is say, okay, fine, we're not going to let you run the ball. You're going to have to throw the ball to beat us. So we're going to put our DBs in a situation where you're going to have to go win us a game, put those DBs on an Island, you know, and we're, we're going to have to play this offense better than we did last year. Last year, the strategy was clearly bend, but don't break. Well, the defense broke multiple times, busted coverages, you know, for a while we were making them go down to the length of the field and score, but eventually the dam broke. And that's why Florida was, furiously trying to come back three scores down last year in Knoxville and it fell short and we lost the game. That can't happen this year. Florida has to have a much more sound approach to the the defensive game plan. And I really believe it's really just taking away the run game, forcing Milton into having to throw the ball. And if Florida is able to continue to get the pressure that they've been getting in the last two games, maybe actually get to the quarterback and get those sacks. I think Milton's going to get into trouble where he has to, he's going to make mistakes. And that's going to turn the game on its head. So for me, the key is whoever runs the ball is going to be successful in winning this game. What do you think, Ben? What's your key to the game? Man, my 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 key to the game is really, really, they can't panic. Man. They really can't. Because when you don't know what you are on one side of the ball, you overemphasize on us. The defense know what they are. They're looking to add more each week, show more each week. We know we can run the ball. It's like what? 
Billy Napier is on offense is what Dan Muller didn't even try to do. Dan Muller didn't even try to run it, right? But I think that is what you're saying. We got to, we got to show aggressiveness on offense. You don't throw deep balls to complete them. You throw them to let them know, hey, dude, we do this too. Them safeties go, that DB coach goes, y'all better back up. We, you would think that we would have the best play action in the country with our running game. Use it. So don't panic. Be more – go a little deeper into play calling. Like, because most – I always say this. What would another team do if they had Eugene Wilson? What would they do with it? Do that. Like, do some stuff like that. Let these young receivers know that, hey, man, being young and starting in college football should be a privilege, not a freaking, you know – you shouldn't be out there like just receivers don't come to college to block every play, right? But blocking helps you become better receivers. So don't panic. Be more creative. And for the defense, man, hit you got to get the Joe Milton. You got to, you don't got to get the sack, but you got when he's throwing it, you got to be hitting him every other play. Because the thing about it is, we look at the final numbers, right? With these games, we think, what must have been crazy? No, man, it just be it be turnovers, it be and. I, I got to say this. Special teams got to want it. Like, what? I don't understand it. I mean, and we've seen some of the best special teams in the last 10 years of football. Like, we remember when we was playing the Raging Cages and we should have lost? We blocked the freaking punt. The, what if that's happening? We lose. The Raging Cages ain't smart enough to just get it and punt it real fast. They like, they for the, we sure we're going to block it, and we blocked it. Got, the, got it, pick it up, and score. I want... Just be aggressive, man. Just be aggressive. And and look at Tennessee and say, hey, man, we do this for real. Because going to Florida is great, but you, you want to show why you went there. And I, so be aggressive. Don't panic. And show them boys, man, we here for real. We ain't going nowhere. We ain't, we ain't because they want to embarrass us. Tennessee wants to prove last year wasn't a flu. We want to prove that it is. It was a flu. Now, I don't know if we uh, get, if we get the hell Mary off. I mean, shoot. I mean, Anthony Richards threw it in the end zone in Vanderbilt. I'm like, did it just throw the hell? But all I'm saying is, Graham Mert, sir, let it take the reins off, man. Let him throw it. Pearsall won't say it because he's a good dude. Pearsall will say, man, them DBs really think they're good. They're not. They can't. And, and all you need is one alpha at every position. On the O-line, you need an alpha. Quarterback, you need an alpha. Receivers, you need an alpha. And they will lead the way. You don't need all of them to be. I believe this Saturday, we still in the game going into the fourth quarter. We got a game. We still in the game. It's the look that we had when it's, what is it? What was it? 32 to 20 or something when we when we had Joe when we playing Georgia. When we when we cut that lead, look at that sideline. They was like, what? That's I a lot of those boys wasn't on the team as this year, but I think that's man. We it's something about if we lose, okay, we we rebuild them. But what if we don't go with that narrative? What if we have that Colorado narrative? You see what I'm saying? Like they don't get that. Like what Dion does is says, dude, all you gotta do is win. Like, listen, all you got to do is win. I think for Florida, it's saying, hey, man, all you got to do is don't blink. They, listen, don't get your veneers till after this game. They're going to knock the hell out. They're going to knock these out. Don't. That's fine. But take a punch, give a punch. It's like, 
it's like the podcast world. Like I always tell people, I said, people say, why, why you do a podcast? Because I got something to say. Yeah, but they're doing it. So I think I say it better than them. Or I'm just as valid as them. It's like this. We need to we need to validate each other on Saturday by saying, bruh, listen to me. I know y'all young. That is Tennessee over there. They don't know what the hell they doing. They living in a world that doesn't exist. We need to, we need to smack them out of that world and bring them on. Because Joe Milton, love him. He talk a lot. He got a lot to say because of the Orange Bowl. Whatever. You know, I think that. And Hypo, I don't like him either. You think, you know, coming from UCF, the UCF boys. But I, I, don't panic. Be aggressive. And, man, we got to get pressure on Milton, man. We can't let him sit back there. And Digging and dunking works because it gets you first down. You know, last time I checked, six plus six is 12. That's the first down. Let's keep a drive. And, hey, man, if we do that, I don't know if it does, it's going to mean we're going to win. But it's something about the fans understanding, dude, they're going to do their part. But I just – I just remember last year, man, we beat Utah, man. That last drive, I turned the TV on. Like right before my, my, right before Bernie picked it up, I thought, oh, God. And I turned it on, and I saw him running the other way. I said, did he do something? Like, you want that? We want that feeling. That's our selfish part. We want that feeling of we act like we ain't never seen Florida win. or never. But we want, we want it again and again. And People say, what is your favorite food? I say, Florida football. It's my favorite food. I can eat it every day. It, it, it made me sick, but I can eat it. And I think we want it because if you if you a beat writer for Florida, you know how hard your job is rooting. You, I, I get it. Your interest is to root for him, but you want to do a press conference after Billy get his first big one. You know what I'm saying? But, hey, man, that's why I do this. That's why I'm on this side of the media because I'll be in there going, Coach, man, what the hell, man? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Because my fandom will get in the way of my analytics. It'll get in the way. So you're just passionate. That's all. No, no, that's, if that's all was, it is. If Florida was playing San Francisco, I said Florida by three. What? <laughs> what you want me? Because I think with them guys, man, we know they are one game or one play away from taking off. That's all football is, is we do something we weren't supposed to do and we take off. You don't believe me? Harbaugh don't think he's going to lose Ohio State no more because they beat. They finally got over the hump, right? Tennessee is a team that's saying, hey, man, everybody always talk about Georgia, Florida. Hey, we over here, right? I think for Florida, it's, it's, it's reminding people that, hey, but we play some good ball over here too. It ain't been pretty. We didn't have a winning record last year. We don't got Superman at quarterback this year. But So I think that's what I want to see, man. I hope I see it. Like I said, I appreciate you, McNeese, but that ain't it. Like that, I appreciate it, but yeah, no people. They want forty nine. Nah, man, that's not nothing against McNeese. That ain't it, man. I, I want to see Tennessee confident. Tennessee thinking they better than us. Tennessee talking trash to SEC media days. Tennessee. I want ability to shake hands before the game. You know, with hyper to look at him and say, "I'm from the book." because he can say it on his breath. He can't say it out loud. That's what I hope happens. So bearing all that in mind, it does sound like you're going to pick the Gators to win this game, but can you give me a score prediction and a percent chance that you think that happens? Man, because of our defense only, I could, man, I could see it being like 28, 20, 28, like 25 or something, because I think that Joe Milton's going to make a mistake. I think he's going to throw one to us. 
But we get like a sack fumble. And I keep on coming back to Pearsall, man. He's a big play waiting to happen. Like, people think that him coming wide open because of Magnet, he comes wide open like that. So I think I give us a shot only because even though rivalries and the stuff that don't matter, Tennessee got to prove they can beat us at home. I done seen the company in Tennessee before. So I'm going to say 28, 25 Florida, but it, but it's nerve-wracking. It's what we usually do. It's fourth quarter. We got to make a stop. We got to make a play because we need it, man. We need we need somebody to bring out the best of us. So give me 28, 25 Florida. Listen, it's a nail-biter now. It ain't. And I think we're going to have to score every quarter, and we're going to have to not flinch every quarter. I think we got a shot. So what percent chance do you give Florida to win? Lord, uh, 51. I go 51. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I'm not, that's about I'm right. <laughs> that's about right. That to me, that seems about right. So, I mean, it is, it's a toss up game. We, we, we said that Neil, before the season started, that this was a toss up game. It's a 50, 50 game. It's a swing game. If Florida wins yeah, this game, swing, yeah, swing, yeah. it's a swing game. If Florida wins this game, it, it's the difference between them maybe winning seven, eight, nine games or only winning five, six, or seven. I mean, it, that's really kind of, I think, where we're at with the program and the, the confidence it could instill moving forward. Because if you look going down the line, if you beat Tennessee, you will beat Charlotte the next week. Then you have that confidence going on the road to Lexington. You not, you should beat Kentucky. We need to get back to beating them. Then you play Vanderbilt at home, another team you should beat. And then you play South Carolina, who hasn't looked that impressive. That offensive line is incredibly suspect. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah that old line is bad. Yeah, I'm talking about. So, I mean, it, it's not inconceivable that Florida could only have a loss going into the cocktail party if they beat Tennessee this Saturday. I mean, that's a big if, but yeah. it is possible. There is a path forward to do it if we get this win. Yeah, it's it's, it's I, this is why we love college football, right? We Listen, somebody going to rewind in all kinds of weather, you know, four years ago, and it, it's still, yeah, man, because we already, listen, I go to doctor every year not to check my blood pressure, not to check my cholesterol. They're like, yeah, dude, you still got it. I got it. You got diabetes. That Florida is, all, is in me. Okay, I just, oh, I'm good. I got to go. Because most teams have never seen it. Like, most teams have never seen their team have this much. We've seen it, and that's what our problem is. We we just expect it. It's like being a Yankees fan, being a Braves fan. You just expect them to do it. And when they don't, you're like, what's wrong? So I think for Florida, it's just it's a confidence builder, man. I don't know what happened to Tennessee after they beat Florida last year, but they took off. I think for Florida, it's just saying, bruh, I want to know what it's like. Because until you know what it's like, you just go there. I want to know what it's like to get a big win at night. Herb Street and them are going to be on the call. You know, and 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 to me, that says something, though, right? Because Herb Street, they can decide where they wanna, what games they want to do. Game oh, day's not even going there, and they're still bringing that crew there. Exactly. It's like game day has gone. Game day will be here, but they'll do, they'll do game day, and they'll do another game at night. They'll get on some private jet. It's because to them, they see past – what hasn't happened or what's going to happen to say, man, it's still Florida, Tennessee. And I think that's what I like about it is the respect factor that Florida still had. When, when Florida loses, it matters. When Florida wins, it matters. And I think that's what you can't hide from. Billy Napier took him a full year to realize, kind of crazy, yeah. And we ain't no metropolitan area. Just imagine if Gainesville was as big as Miami or as big as Tallahassee. So I just – 
I feel for them boys with all the um, media attention they get now, social media and all, everybody got access to them, got to block it out, man. I want to see, listen, throw it up to Caleb Douglas, man. Just throw it up. He's going to make some type of acrobatic play. Give it to Eugene Wilson in space. I want to see Montreal. I want to see the three-headed monster of Webb, Johnson, and Etienne go crazy. I want Kingsley to, to come back. He's going to be, listen, Kingsley going to be tired as hell. He done missed two games. He's going to be huffing, give him his breathing machine, his cold Gatorade on the side. And I, and I want to see Rob Sale open it up. Like, I don't get how Rob Sale don't, but Armstrong does. Like, how? I don't understand. One guy is a new guy, and he's opening it up. Maybe Armstrong was too young to understand. What? Y'all hired me to open it up. And Rob, I don't want to listen. And then I'm not getting political. Be a, be a, be a conservative in politics. Don't, don't do that in football, man. We don't want conservative. We want go, 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 go. Because I don't know if Tennessee is ready for us to have a, you know, a uh, balanced offense. And we're going to have to develop more of an identity throwing the football with the games coming. Because it might be a game we can't run it. And we got to throw it. But throw it for efficiency, not. So I want them guys to build confidence, which I think they are. And. Hey man, Sap and company on that D line. D, I mean uh, uh, Desmond, Big Des and them. Come on, bro, because I want to see the I want to see the law office of Scooby and Shamar. I want to see that. I think they're gonna have a great game. And hey man, let's see what we got. Because I think I think it's time. I think it's time. And I, I say that all the time with Florida, but they got to prove it, man. Because Billy Napier every week is a is a test for him. Every single week and. I know, I know what all these coaches around. Hey, man, I, I trust our coach. People say, yeah, I don't want people like Florida could have got Crystal Ball. Hell no. Come on, man. We don't want no Crystal Ball, man. We don't want no Mike Norvell, man. Mike Norvell had cornrows in college. No. I'm good. And, and, and oh, and to you UCF fans, please stop it. There will never be a big four. It's not going to. You got to have tradition to be a part of the big three. And I don't like the team on the Panhandle or the team of South Florida, but they do have tradition. UCF, y'all got a big campus. Campus big. We, we also have a, a real national championship. But that's what I'm saying. I said, listen, our our national championship was nationally recognized. Y'all had Mickey Mouse. And that's embarrassing <laughs> that y'all, listen, in 2004, the Auburn Tigers went undefeated. They didn't go to the national championship and they didn't have a parade. You know what UCF stands for, by the way, right, Ben? You know what UCF stands for? It stands for Under Construction Forever. <laughs> oh, listen, oh, oh. at the end of the day, right, and I got, I said this earlier, I said, listen, UCF, one of y'all greatest players had one hand, and I respect that man. That man had one hand. Baller. No. Sorry, UCF. Y'all greatest thing was beating Auburn and, and, and almost beating LSU. Calm down. Calm, calm, calm down. Ain't gonna be no big four because then if we say it's a big four, here come FAU, here come FIU. Listen, I say this all the time. I went to UF, switch the letters, and that's how I feel about you. Just switch the letters, and that's how I feel about you. So just adopt Furman's uh, mantra, basically. <laughs> Furman's actually very close to both of us, and it's the alma mater of one guy named Billy Napier. And talking about UCF, there is there is a Central Florida connection here. Central Florida is where Danny White got his start, the AD for Tennessee, and it is where Josh Heupel was previously the head coach. And so UCF fans are taking a little bit of pride in rooting for Tennessee this week. Hopefully we can make both of those fan bases uh, shut up and shut down. So 
I mean, Ben, it's always always a pleasure to uh, to talk with you and get your insight. We've had you, I think, four years in a row now. Um, yeah, man, I'm about to say, I, listen, I'm a part, I don't know who's a part of the the alumni guest, but I'm an alumni guest. So we all, when I be seeing y'all have this, y'all have a great guest lineup, by the way. But I, I, pre, I just, as long as I come on once a year, it makes me not feel old, number one. And it makes me feel important, which I tell my fiance all the time. I said, I'm trying to tell you in certain parts of the country, I'm a big deal. She said, well, go take that trash out. Okay, cool. So you guys, first and foremost, man, I appreciate what you guys do because I got to say this, with the gazillion podcasts out there, I, you guys are legitimate. And I, I like what you guys do. I like the consistency of you guys. It's a podcast popping up right now called, you know, University Avenue. No, 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 no. I appreciate the analytics. I appreciate the understanding of the game. I appreciate the answer. Like, y'all, listen, I'm going to tell you this. Don't argue with people who just watch football. They don't know it. They just watch it. They're going to drive you crazy. So when they see you in the, they see you in public staring, they know who you are, and they just want you to say, what the hell are you staring at, man? You think Florida going, yeah, like, because I had to deal with that. People staring at you. They saying you said that Florida's gonna win by twenty. Hey man, I mean hey, that's why I ain't never been to Vegas. Don't don't, <laughs> don't go with my picks, but keep doing what y'all doing, man. I I appreciate having a podcast myself. I appreciate number one uh, producers. You guys are the greatest chopping up this stuff. I, I'm not a producer. I get behind this mic and talk trash and leave. Thank God for you producing, but I appreciate what you guys do, man. I think it's very very needed. I think in all kinds of weather, it's a hell of a name. <laughs> for a freaking podcast. And that's the hardest thing, right? What do you call it? Call it orange and blue. Taken, you know, call it something else. So appreciate what appreciate you guys having me. Like I said, man, we we as former players, we don't say it, but y'all validated us when I was a player. Y'all validated us when we're not players. I can I can I can say that out loud. Without y'all, who the hell are we? We you know, I thank God I ain't played during COVID. If I had to play in the empty stadium. I said, are we Florida Vanderbilt? Like, what the hell's going on? You know what I'm saying? So, y'all boys keep doing what you're doing. Hopefully, we'll have something, you know, good to talk about at the end of the year or as the year progresses. But, yeah, man, y'all do a hell of a job, man. I be, you know, I I'm, I be retweeting y'all stuff. <laughs> I'm a retweeter. You've never seen me put out a, a tweet by myself. But y'all will put something out. I go, hell yeah, retweet, put a quote, tweet. That's what I do. That's well, what I do. We we appreciate the kind words and the and the uh, the shout out, and we'll make sure that Neil uh, clips this for the for the viewers on Twitter, so people can quote tweet all that, so they know where to come get their podcast in the future. Of course, man, absolutely, man. I mean, listen, like I say, I respect other podcasts, but I y'all boys are consistent. Y'all be flooding my timeline. Y'all got gear and hats, and and and, and listen, it's, it ain't legit till you get the gear. That's what I say. You got any gear yet? No. Well, you ain't legit yet. <laughs> You got, you got, got it, it on today. If you ain't got the gear, you just talking trash behind the mic. So keep doing what y'all boys doing, man. Love listening. Love love the setup. You know, in 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 on the crib right there, man. Keep doing what y'all doing, man. Like I say, I don't know if I validate or invalidate podcasts, but if I validate them, and I ain't never been on your podcast, hey man, man oh. yeah, thank you. If you don't have hey, that on your podcast. You're not a. I, I only rock. I only rock with the best. So if you don't like me being on all kinds of weather, deal with it, man. Don't you know? In my dad, in the words of my dad, don't get mad at me. Get mad at your parents, man. You are their decision. Not mine. <laughs> that's great. That's, that's a way to. That's a way to cap a show, isn't it, Chris? 
I think so. I think so. <laughs> well, well, uh, Ben, we we certainly appreciate you coming on, and uh, we've got some some definitely clip worthy highlights for to share with our fans and. Thank you again for being a reoccurring guest and one of the best gators out there. So appreciate you coming on and, and giving us our analysis of uh, the game this coming Saturday. I appreciate you guys, man. It's truly, truly humble to come on with you guys. And at the end of the day, we all we got, you know, in all kinds of weather is a real thing. I, I'm always humble. Whenever I get you guys DM, man, I'm always uh, humble to come on with you guys. Let's let's make this thing a reoccurring thing, man. I'll talk to you guys soon. Yes, sir. Love it. Thanks, Ben. Yep. Go Gators. Gators. Well, we want to once again thank Ben for coming on. He always is a fantastic guest, gives so much great insights on the program and, and just his thoughts on just being a Gator in general, an incredibly passionate alumni. And we're very lucky to have him here both on the show and in Gator Nation. But Neil, we talked about a lot tonight. We talked about the tradition, the pageantry, the nostalgia of this rivalry. We talked about all the storylines going into it, the keys to the game. We both gave our key when Ben was on. But I think it's time to, to give our predictions on what we think is going to happen on Saturday night. This is a big game. This is an inflection point for Billy Napier. We When we previewed the season, we said this was a 50-50 game. I don't think a whole lot has changed looking at this game in, in the two to three weeks since we, we started having our thoughts on it and previewing it. So quickly, give your thoughts on the game your and then just your overall, I guess, prediction for what's going to happen Saturday night. I mean, there's just so many different places I can go with this because there's so much we don't know. Uh, first thing I will point out, the the yards per attempt stat is staggering. Joe Milton, 6.8 yards per attempt, significantly less than 8.62 that Mertz has. Of course, Milton can run more than Mertz, which helps Tennessee, but complement that with, with Tennessee's pass defense not looking so great against Austin P and Florida might be able to might be able to pull this off. Um the offensive line, obviously a big issue. We're going to be watching very closely. Florida will get Kingsley back. That's going to help. Tennessee's defensive line has looked solid his first two games. Then again, against bad teams. But nonetheless, Florida's offensive line, I think, can expect to have its hands full. Typically, sack production is one of the few things that does translate from level to level, at least somewhat proportionately. And Tennessee has 11 of them on the year. James Pierce has three. Tyler Barron has two. Uh, Aaron Beasley has... Two, James Pierce is at his three, I think. Uh, I can't remember which order I said them. But there, there are three guys on that team with with at least two sacks in two games. So a lot of different guys to watch for on that defense. I do like what I've seen from Austin Barber so far. I think Florida can protect Mertz better than Virginia and Austin Pete protected their QBs. But this offensive line is going to have to be at its very best. And now talking about what this means for the season, Chris, well, I mean, technically doesn't do – too much damage if Florida loses because mathematically speaking, you still play Georgia, you still play FSU, you still play LSU, all those chances on the schedule to impress the CFP committee. But, I mean, let's be realistic. That's a pipe dream, right? Keep it respectful, but keep it real. Georgia, defending national champ, FSU, currently top five team. LSU, yeah, they have holes, but they're still very talented, and that's going to be a very daunting task to go into Death Valley and win. So this game is the season, Chris. It's not a big game in the season. It is the season. Because if Florida loses to Tennessee, there are three distinct scenarios. Scenario one is you pull off a shocker against one of those three rivals who are significantly better than you this year. 
plus win one of the three road games remaining. That's at Kentucky, at South Carolina, and at Missouri. Any one of them will do. Of course, Georgia, the defending back-to-back national champs. LSU, again, that's just not going to be easy. I don't care how much they've struggled. That will not be an easy task for Florida. Scenario two is you get swept by your rivals again, and you get two of those road wins. You go on the road and you win two of at Kentucky, at South Carolina, at Missouri. By no means is that a certainty. It might happen, but that's not going to be easy. Scenario three, you don't accomplish either of those two scenarios, and you don't make a bowl game. And here is where I'll throw the status of Billy Napier into the conversation. I don't like talking about the temperature of his seat this early in the year, too. And so I will say there's nothing he can do short of getting arrested that gets him fired in 2023. But having said that, if you're telling me that Florida is worse in year two than in year one, which is what happens if you don't make a bowl game this year. You're telling me that they take a step backwards from year one to year two. Woo, that seat is going to be hot heading into year three. And that could set him up for a position where he's destined to fail because, yes, you'll have DJ Lagway in the door if you really want to play this scenario out. DJ Lagway will be a true freshman. You're not in position to demand a third year of a rebuild. No, we don't want to hear the patience thing a third straight time. We don't have time for DJ Lagway to come in and learn and take growing pains and develop. You go six and six in your first year and five and seven in year two. Hell, you go six and six your first two years. And you try to tell people, yeah, sorry, we're still not ready to even compete for eight and four. We need more patience, whatever. And look, I know this is a rabbit hole and I hate thinking about all this, but that is the situation that gets set up if we don't win this game. We have to win this game. Billy Napier has got to win this game. If he's really, Chris, if he's going to survive, like we, I just talked about looking into the future. You see the road ahead. You see that schedule. You see those scenarios, those paths to a bowl game. And you you know as well as I do what's going to happen if we don't make a bowl game this year. And that's what's really at risk if we don't win this game. Oh, and one more thing. You lose this game, and it's probable that Florida goes 0-8 against its rivals heading into his third year. Florida has never, I mean never, lost to Tennessee, Georgia, LSU, and FSU in the same season before. Now you're talking about Napier doing that for the first time in school history and then for the second time in school history in his first two seasons. I'm on the patience train, but if you're Napier, you, you've got to be rewarding that patience and not testing it. And going over your rivalry games in two years is not really going to help you. So, Chris, this is everything. The long and short of it is this game is everything for Florida and Billy Napier. Uh, I, I would agree. I, I agree. This is a pivotal game for him. It's an inflection point in his tenure. If you look, if he loses this game and then ultimately it doesn't work out, it is a major data point on the road to him not making it as the head coach at the University of Florida. He has to reassure the fan base, the program, the administration, the recruits that he has currently committed in the 2024 top three class that he has, that Florida is headed in the right direction. You need moments that you can see the logical conclusion that that is going to happen. And Saturday night is the beginning of that. We thought we saw a turning of the page last year at Texas A&M. We then go home the next week. We smash South Carolina. We have a road game against Vanderbilt. Everybody thinks it's a foregone conclusion that we're going to win. We're going to be 7-4, maybe an 8-1 season in Billy Napier's first year. Exactly what everybody could have hoped for. It didn't happen. It came crashing down. 
on a miserable defeat on a cold day in Nashville. And then the the next weekend, we were very much in that game against Florida State, but we lost. And I think a lot of it was shaken confidence from what happened the week before up in Nashville. Let's think of the opposite scenario here. You beat a Tennessee team that's number 11 in the country, and albeit I don't think they are the number 11. I don't think they are what their ranking indicates they are. I, 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 if you actually look at FBI models, Dustin's model out there, they are lower on a lot of these power rankings, and for very a good, very good reason, and specifically because Joe Milton is probably not the quarterback we think he was. He's not Anthony Richardson. He he has not put up the statistics that a future pro quarterback does. He has many limitations other than the fact that he can throw the ball 80 yards on a dime. Florida has to strike here. And if they do, I believe it will be a catalyst moving forward in the season for them to go on a run and start stacking wins in the 2023 season and building confidence in the fan base that the future is bright in Gainesville. We know the schedule ahead. If you beat Tennessee, you have you you, you beat Charlotte the following weekend at home. You're going to have confidence going into that road game against a Kentucky team that you haven't beaten consistently in the last five years. You'll have confidence returning home and playing a Vanderbilt team that you know you should beat year in and year out. And then go on the road against a South Carolina team whose offensive line is floundering right now. And probably could have a losing record going into that game because of the schedule they play early on this season. Florida and South Carolina schedules are kind of the reverse. South Carolina has a very tough front end schedule. The back end isn't as hard. Florida, the reverse. The front end isn't as hard. The back end is very hard. Florida has an opportunity with a win on Saturday to be the catalyst to start the the next chapter in the Billy Napier tenure. So with all that being said, Neil, prediction time. Give me a percent chance that Florida has to win this game and give me a score prediction. First thing I'll say is I do think Tennessee is overrated. I do not think they're a top 20 team in the country. I do think that they are the better team from what we've seen in two games. Of course, that being against two bad opponents for them and Florida being against one respectable but not great opponent and then one really, really, really bad one. I'm saying 45% chance for Florida just because I haven't seen anything from Napier about being a great in-game coach. I'm sorry. I'd love to be wrong. I am begging Billy Napier to use this game to prove me wrong. I just haven't seen it, and I can't go by data that I don't have. On paper, Florida and Tennessee are almost dead even in terms of pure talent. Being in the swamp helps. I simply do not have data that tells me Billy Napier is going to provide his team with the winning edge in a close game. And that feels like what's going to happen because I I don't see a blowout coming one way or another in this game. If Florida blows them out, great. I think if one team is going to blow the other one out, it probably is Florida over Tennessee just because we do have a good defense that can potentially stymie them. But I don't think it's likely either way. So probably going to be a close game. And remember, Chris, even in the biggest win of his career, the game we always talk about is the thing we think is a data point in his favor about what he can build Utah. He tried to lose that game. He overthought the end of game sequence and needlessly wasted a timeout. And that was one bad decision by Cam rising away from costing us that win. So look, I love Napier as a recruiter. I love Napier as an off-field CEO. Maybe he will outgrow this. It's very possible that he goes and hires an offensive coordinator after this year, and Florida can be a machine that's humming along nice and easy for years to come with him. But without that in place, with the special teams deficiencies 
we see, I know Tennessee has their issues, but I, I give Tennessee a, a slight edge here. Um, prediction, we're doing that in one. So, yep. I mean, look, for, for most of our lives, Florida has, has had these streaks that are running. Uh, the streak over Kentucky, gone. Streak over Vanderbilt, gone. The streak over Tennessee, gone. The streak against uh, FCS opponents, gone. Not really a streak, but we own Georgia for most of my life. That's gone. One by one, I've watched those streaks die. Every streak, every run, every piece of dominance over a point of time has to end eventually. All we've got left now is the anti-shutout streak. And, well, guess what? Sooner or later, that's going to die too. So people talking about how Tennessee hasn't won in the Swamp since 2003, and I include myself in that because I've had a lot of fun you know, pointing at that for the last several years. I, I think that ends here. I know Tennessee's not what they were a year ago. Joe Milton's not Hendon Hooker. Our defense does look better. If Tennessee can't do it this year with all the issues that Florida has, I don't know when they ever will. This is it. This is their chance to win a game in Gainesville because I I do think that there are cracks in the armor with Florida. I think that eventually Napier will have an offensive coordinator calling the plays for him or he won't survive here. But this is a Florida point at its weak spot. They're rebuilding. Tennessee's a year ahead of Florida in that rebuild. And I understand that guys like, like uh, Jalen Hyatt are gone, um, but they just – they, they have talent and they have shown to be able to be successful with that talent. So I think Tennessee pulls this one out 31 to 24, because I don't think we have the downfield passing game that takes advantage of Tennessee's weak secondary. Well, I think you're right on the Vegas line as of right now, the Vegas line is settled at Tennessee minus six and a half. And listen, Neil, that could very well happen on Saturday night. There is certainly a big scenario where I think my part of me, part of my gut is saying that Tennessee is ahead of Florida. They are the better team. Florida hasn't shown consistently since Billy Napier has arrived that they can win these types of games. I think this is a 50-50 game. I put Florida's chances of winning at 50%. I, I probably had it maybe a little bit higher going into the season, but I always view this as a very difficult game for Florida just because it is an SEC opponent in Tennessee is going to provide some issues for Florida. I think that run game is formidable for Tennessee, and this will be the best run uh, opponent we've had, and the defense is going to have to show that they continue to step up and big play and make big plays. I think Austin Armstrong is going to have to coach the game thus far in his young career's life. I think that the Gators, like Ben say, play desperate at times. They, they understand the sense of urgency that there is in the program right now. This is a rivalry game. They understand the tradition of it. And you've heard that in some of the things that Billy Napier has said. I also think the crowd on Saturday is going to be a factor in this game. And I think a quarterback like Joe Milton, who has not played a lot of road games in his career, is going to be rattled. I think the Gators get to him. I think Joe Milton will make mistakes. I think Florida wins the turnover battle and rushes slightly more than the Tennessee Volunteers. And I think the Gators grind out a very hard-fought victory in the Swamp. And I'm going to go with a score of 21-17. to 17. Florida wins it at home. Uh, it's not going to be a pretty one, but I think they make enough plays in this game uh, to get it done. I expect a, a stat line from Graham Mertz where he probably throws a buck 68, maybe a touchdown in there. Uh, but I think most of what Florida gets done is through the ground. 
and their defense holds serve in the swamp. So I'm going to go 21-17. Gators get it done. It's going to be a great game, Neil. I can't wait to be there. Can't wait to be there tailgating with you again. Can't wait to be back in the Swamp Kingdom watching these Gators play. And all I got to say to Gator Nation is two things. Wear freaking blue and be prepared to lose your voice in the Swamp on Saturday night. If Tennessee does beat Florida for the first time in 20 years, make it at least don't go down without a fight as a fan base. Make this the loudest environment that we've had in recent memory. Let's enjoy it. We don't know when we're going to have this rivalry on an annual basis at home again, maybe for the foreseeable future. So let's enjoy it. Let's do all we can to help these guys, encourage them throughout the week. And let's keep talking trash. It's Tennessee week. You got to love it. So there's nothing better than that. 7,297 days. I really, really want that number to be extended by, I don't know, another few thousand. But there's, I mean, it's on the line this Saturday, Chris. It it very well might die this Saturday. So I want to keep enjoying that. It's really all we have left, that and the anti-shutout streak. So I'd, I'd love to keep that intact for just a few more years. But, you know, like I said, this is the game, man. This is it. This is for... I mean, this is for the future of the program. It, well, it's, it is that it's time to build game. new streaks. It's time to build new streaks. You know, old all streaks do come to an end eventually. Obviously, Georgia's streak of losing, not winning a national championship came to an end. Some winning streaks we've had over the years came to an end. But that's when it's an opportunity to turn a new chapter, write a new page, and build a new streak for the program. And it starts with winning one now in a row against Tennessee in this storied and historic rivalry. Well, I think that about does it, Neil. It's been a great preview forecast for for this upcoming game. Make sure to like the show down below. Leave a comment, review for us so we can continue to reach all those Gator fans out there. Tell your friends about the show. Share it with them. Let them know we're on YouTube now. We really want to help grow this platform out here on YouTube. And, of course, listen to us where any of the audio uh, podcasts are available. For Neil Shulman and Chris Yanes, this was the In All Kinds of Weather Forecast. Go Gators and beat Tennessee. Go Gators.